0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome in, Boston sports fans everywhere. Episode five of Boston's Big Four. As you know by now, home base for all things Boston sports for the fans of the City of Champions. Where uh, this business right here, 24-7, 365-day a year, Passion. Can find the show on Apple, Spotify, and Google. New releases every single Tuesday. Of course, by now you know I'm your host, Stephen Ace Norman. And uh, if you want the background on all of our social media, follow the show. It's up on the Believe.com website. That's B-L-E-A-V. Plenty to get to here ahead of Wild Card Weekend. Super Wild Card Weekend as the NFL has now proclaimed and added one of their games to the Monday night window. But before we get to the playoffs, to the Wild Card matchups, Patriots, Bills, Round 3, okay, what will that be like this time around in Buffalo? And believe me, we are going to get to that but we have to talk about the 33-24 stinker in Miami that saw the Patriots get swept away by the Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins of 2021, who just yesterday fired Brian Flores, asked me for my reasons that I think behind that. I, I can't give you one. I can't give you a logical one outside of the classic power struggle with the GM and the head coach and the GM is closer with the owner, right? That's the only logical explanation for that. But either way, the Patriots have now lost two games to Miami here this season, the last three or four to Miami. They're 0-3 against Tua, who is, to me, definitely not the answer in Miami. Is he a bad, bad, bad quarterback? I don't know that we can say that quite yet. Second year, did some positives this season, but overall to me, You saw his deficiencies and his limitations yesterday or two days ago, I should say. Now here it is Tuesday. Welcome to the world, Steve. Tuesday. But anyways, I digress because going back to Sunday, Tua and the Miami Dolphins weren't the reasons that that game played out the way it did. No, no, they weren't. Okay, They they were the opponent, but they weren't the opponent that dictated play. No, no, no. The Patriots were the opponent that dictated play to themselves by putting themselves in an early hole, by not showing up, because that loss on on Sunday to Miami was not the typical stray from the path of excellence uh, that the Patriots have dealt with in Miami before. It wasn't because of injury. It wasn't because of uh, the team resting players. It wasn't because of the heat. It was instead the continuance of the previous month of football for this team. So what am I talking about? What what am I talking about? I'm talking about what we all saw on Sunday, what we've all seen coming off of the bye week in week 14, a team that comes out and genuinely looks lethargic. Their energy isn't right. Their focus isn't right. Their intensity isn't right. Their motivation doesn't match what their opponent is. And on Sunday, that was a Miami Dolphins team that was playing purely for pride. They had nothing to play for on Sunday outside of being the spoiler for the Patriots and for the pride of going out there and doing their job the way that they're paid to, the way that they expect themselves to, and the standard that they hold themselves to personally and for the guy next to them. Meanwhile, you have the New England Patriots who just come off the walloping of the JV Jacksonville Jags and are looking to build some momentum headed into the playoffs because they've been piss poor in the momentum category in the past three to four weeks. Because Bill can say whatever he wants about momentum and rhythm and how it carries over from one game to another. But I'll tell you this, rhythm carrying over from one week to another for a team that's not uber talented, that's not going to run anyone out of the stadium with their skill position players or their offense or a defense that once again hasn't been there when it's needed the most. Because to me, A regular Joe, okay, a regular average, never played a pro sport in his life, Joe, who's sitting there watching a team from week to week, personally feels that people benefit from positive reinforcement. That psychological quadrant of the brain that says, I just did this recently, I can do it again. Now, do I feel like the Patriots have completely forgotten what proper football is, what complementary football is, what disciplined football is? No, it's not like they haven't done it this season. But they haven't done it recently, so you don't need to be a pro athlete or a former pro athlete or a flippin' psychologist to know the basic human tendency, which is to benefit greater from recent experiences rather than past experiences. The mind always references recent history before it references past history. Unless you're that one delusional guy from high school who's now 50 years old and is at the local bar at 1130 on a Monday afternoon talking about high school football. And if I've just described any of my listeners out there, trust me, believe me, I'm not picking on you. I'm sure you could have been a great athlete, a pro athlete, if you really tried and they gave you a true opportunity and you didn't have a calling and a different career path. Trust me, I get it. But back to the here and now. Sorry, I get distracted easy. But going back to Sunday, they're down 14 points just nine minutes into the game. The defense opens up by allowing a 13-play, 77-yard touchdown drive that saw Tua and that offense methodically work down the field, pick up short amounts of yards, and ultimately score a touchdown, and converting three third downs in the meantime. Mac Jones then gets the ball on a third and one, which... Why they were throwing on third and one instead of continuing to just pound Miami up the middle, a team that gave up two hundred yards on the ground just a week before to the Tennessee Titans? Uh, they throw it to the flat, and Mac just doesn't see the coverage; just doesn't see it. And if you look at the costly mistakes, they're basic stuff for a team that you would teach like pop one or two. You know, I mean, they're basic things. They had two special team penalties, one inexplicable. Lawrence Guy, a captain, lining up over the center, which is an illegal formation. I mean, that is like day one of special teams prep. Don't line up over the center. It's not a new rule. You saw personal fouls, roughing the passer, Matthew Judon, an impact player, has to be smarter than that. A leader on this team throws two down on the ground well after he's thrown the ball. Then you have, obviously, in this game, I already mentioned it, the pick six, not seeing a basic cover two. Uh, coverage. That's on Mac. He should see that and know that by now. Diagnose that and be ready for it. You have a fumble deep in Miami territory, late in the third, down 14 points. You need to get a score out of that. Earlier in the game, you burn a timeout because you can't get lined up properly to run a play. Then coming out of that timeout, you have two guys, two wide receivers, run into each other, run into each other. And this week also saw the return of conservative Bill Belichick, a chicken bleep fourth down decision where you then see Mac Jones and the offense line up trying to draw off Miami fourth and inches at midfield down 10 points with a chance to have a double score behind or before the half, excuse me, a score at half and then a score after half. Instead, Mac Jones jumps off offsides, or false starts on his own. These are inexcusable problems to be having this late in the season, at this point in the season. Mental lapses, not coming out ready to go, the entire team, not just the offense, not just the defense, not just the special teams. And it's uncharacteristic of Bill Belichick coached teams. I mean, this is something that has to be drilled into these guys each and every week, especially given how they played as of recent. So I don't know how to explain it. I don't know if it's on the coaches. I don't know if it's on the players. I don't know if it's on both for not preparing right. But what we've seen is Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. But this version of the Patriots, call them whatever you want, right? Call them the the, the Dynasty 3.0. It's been Hyde shows up first. Then there's Jekyll. Then there's Hyde again. Start the season off 2-4. and four, A litany of questions. They go on a seven-game run. They have some wins in there that you don't know how good the opponent is, but they've been the best test to that point in the season. Then, of course, you go up to week 13 versus the Buffalo Bills. You own that team in Buffalo. You emasculate them. You're back to being the big brother. You're back to being the leader in the clubhouse in the AFC East. You're back to owning that division, reclaiming your throne. You have a bye week, a late bye week, which is only going to help you as you start to get prepared for a very difficult stretch run. And instead of coming out reinvigorated and ready to roll, you come back out hideous. And I don't know if that was from lack of preparation, feeling sorry for yourselves, because you didn't get the long enough buy that you would wanted. You played on Monday, you were back Saturday, all that BS. But regardless of what it is, they finished the season looking average. And undisciplined. And like I said, I don't know if that's because you're reading your press clippings. You think you're better than you are. You're not focused. You're not doing the the little minute things that you were doing earlier in the season. But you just haven't beaten the upper caliber teams. If you look at the Patriots and the wins that they've had this season, and you look at where those teams ended up, it's not very good. The Jaguars are the first overall pick in the draft. The Texans are the third overall pick in the draft. The Jets, you beat them twice. They're the fifth overall pick in the draft. The Panthers, the sixth overall pick in the draft. The Falcons, the ninth overall pick in the draft. And then the Browns and the Chargers both falling out of the playoffs by the end of the season. You have wins versus the Buffalo Bills, one of the better teams in the AFC. You have a win over the Titans, the number one overall seed in the AFC. Although when you beat them, they were extremely beat up. No Derrick Henry. He's now coming back. No Julio Jones. He's back. No A.J. Brown. He's back. Really a very different team. And although I think the formula will be very much the same, the players will be very much better than what you faced when you played them. Now, I don't want to give you a wrong perception. When I analyze a team season and when I look at wins during that season, I don't just look at where the opponent ended up. I I look at where they were at, how they were playing when you faced them. That Chargers win on the road in October was a good win. That win at home against Cleveland, who had just gotten rid of OBJ, and it was back to what Cleveland does well, setting up Baker Mayfield for success. They were in the playoff hunt at that point in time, 6-4. and four. That's a good win. The Atlantic game on the road was not pretty. Short week, opponent that you're not familiar with, that's still a good win. Tennessee at home, hard-nosed football team, wasn't going to come in there and roll over at that point in the season, regardless of who was missing. That's a good win. And then, of course, Buffalo in Week 13. I'm not in the habit of discounting and discrediting wins when they take place. You play who you have on your schedule. And how that team was playing when you played them, where they ended up, should sure factor into how you evaluate and perceive the Patriots' season at the end of the day. But still, the quality of that win is based more off of what was happening in that given time with that given opponent than how their season ended up at the very end after they played you weeks later, how their end of the season transpired. There'll be plenty of time for those discussions, those debates, those evaluations when the Patriots season finally comes to an end, whether that be next week, whether it be the week after, we'll see. But my emphasis right now is how this team is playing at the end of the season and a concerning trend where they're no longer playing their best football in December and January. Those months, they've struggled for three straight years now. And a staple of past Patriots teams was, we're going to play our best football come the end of the season. They had a remarkable 70-16 and 16 record from 2001 to 2018 in the months of December and in January. Ultimately, I don't think they're this bad. I don't think they're as good as we thought they were when they ran off seven wins in the middle of the season. But I don't think they're as bad as what we've seen here in the final stretch of this season or at the very beginning of the season. I think they're somewhere in the middle. And I do think there is something to be said about being a little bit of front runners. And it's just the way that they play the game. It's the way that they're going to win games. They have to be out in front. They have to make you make mistakes. They can't be the team that makes their own mistakes. I'd like to segue now to Mac Jones and a lot of the conversation surrounding Mac here over the past four weeks. Has Mac hit the rookie wall? We heard it a little bit earlier in the season where there were some blips in the radar. I think it's come on full-fledged here as of recent because of his struggles the past month. The question is legitimate. Coming off of a rough day in Miami, 20 of 30, 261 yards, a touchdown, an interception, a fumble, a costly interception that went for a pick six, a fumble when you needed to get points, and then you look at his body of work over the past four games, and the question is legitimate, and the answer, in short, is yes, he has. The surprising part of it for me is not that the question is being asked. It's when the question is being asked, when these performances have taken place, When he was 4-0 in November with the NFL's highest passer rating, and some of those were inflated numbers with shorter passes and games that the Patriots were winning big, I understand it. But usually for rookie quarterbacks, for these young guys, those early season struggles are just that, early season struggles and hiccups because they haven't got accustomed to the pace of the NFL or what teams are doing pre-snap, what teams are doing during the play to deceive coverage or adjustments that they're making in-game. Those growing pains show less often after a quarterback has already gone through a stretch of games where he's played very well or relatively high, at least for a rookie quarterback. Through 12 games, Mac Jones had completed 70% of his passes, had 16 touchdowns, 8 interceptions, and 2 fumbles lost. In his last 3 losses, Mack has a 56% completion rate, 3 touchdowns, 5 interceptions, and 1 fumble, and a passer rating at 66.1. Not exactly what we were accustomed to during November when he was 4-0 and with the highest rated passer rating in the NFL. His play has gone from a quarterback who protects the football, who makes the smart play, To a quarterback who is fooled at times, who is a little loose with the football, who makes poor decisions at times and puts the ball in harm's way, who has made the big mistake as of late. What we're seeing from Mac with these struggles is no different than what we see from a lot of rookies. It's not unusual. What's unusual about it from our perspective is the critical time that it's happening and the level of quarterback play that we're accustomed to at this time in the year. For Mac, every rookie hits a wall. For some rookies, that wall is concrete. They can't break through it. For others, it's plaster. They have to figure out a method to get through it, but they're capable of getting through it because they have the tools at their disposal. For all Mac's great attributes, though, and he has plenty of them, and I don't overlook any of them. I've highlighted a lot of them here in the first few weeks of the podcast, but one that reared his ugly face again on Sunday and I don't like it and I've seen it far too much this season is his piss poor body language where when things aren't going his way he lets the emotions get the best of him. Now listen, one thing I'll tell you is I like that the kid cares and he never gives up on the field. But there are body language moments where I look at him and I say, "You look like a a little bratty kid. You're pouting, you're overly dejected, you're discouraged, and it's not just obvious to your teammates who you are one of their leaders but it's obvious to your opponent and you're climbed they they've climbed in your head and they know it so he has to clean that up that's something that he has to fix within himself that he can't let himself get too high or too low and have it show publicly because first impressions are the most important but you have to continue to make the right impressions on your current teammates on future teammates and I tell you people won't want to continue to follow you if you show them up I mean, he was showing up publicly on the field, Kendrick Bourne. Now, was Kendrick Bourne wrong? Not picking up the route, not understanding what the play was? Yeah, that might have been on Kendrick Bourne. But there's a way to go about handling that situation. And Max Emotions got the best of him. And you could even see as he ran over to the sidelines, Josh saying, okay, get back out there. Like, no, no, no. Get back on the field. You got to execute a play here now. So, you know, I look at those moments in the pick six where, he goes to make a tackle, if you want to call it that, and it was almost like waving the red, the red flag at the bull. Like, that's not the best effort, for one, and I'm not saying I love my quarterback sticking his nose in there and trying to make a tackle and getting hurt, but I don't like his body language after where he's throwing up his hands in the air like a bratty 15-year-old who was just told from his parents can't take the car out tonight because they need it. You can't do that. He carries himself the right way off the field, on the podium, says the right things, holds himself accountable, takes the blame, never puts it on anyone else. He shoulders that blame. And on the field, I like the way he plays. I like his acumen on the field and the way he handles himself for the most part on the field. But there's more to being a quarterback than just off-the-field press conferences and on-the-field play. There's a whole way of handling yourself and controlling the moment that is like upper management. You wouldn't want a manager looking like a little kid in a candy aisle who doesn't get his way. So Mac needs to control his emotions. Going forward, I think maybe getting with a sports psychologist and working on that aspect of his game is something that he'll need to do. All right, we're going to turn our attention now to one of the funnest weekends on the NFL calendar every year, wild card weekend, the Patriots in Western New York to face off against the Buffalo Bills Saturday night, 815. Patriots wound up as the sixth seed because the Raiders beat the Chargers on Sunday night football. What a game that was. The Bills clinched the East with a win over the New York Jets in a game that was close for a while until the very end. The Patriots would have been in Cincinnati had the Chargers defeated the Raiders, but that didn't happen, so we won't get we're on the Cincinnati all week, which would have been fun for a lot of us. The weather in New York for this game so far, the weather report is negative four degrees or it will feel like negative four degrees with flurries with just an accumulation of an inch and the winds at 10 miles an hour, so not quite the temperature and the elements that they dealt with back in week 13 in western New York. When the Patriots took it to the Buffalo Bills. and this is a game here, as you look at it, first postseason matchup between the two teams, Bill Belichick, first time as a wild card coach. And in the two matchups that these two teams played this season, each team dictated the terms of how they wanted to play. Allen, in, Bo- in Foxborough, excuse me, outplayed Bill Belichick's genius. And the Patriots lost that game because Allen was the best player on the field and wasn't going to be stopped. The Patriots, in turn, won Week 13 because they were the more physical, prepared team that executed their game plan, their hard-nosed, cold-weather, throwback football game plan, and prevailed in that game 14-10 to in the modern-day era where they threw three passes and emasculated the Buffalo Bills. Now, before I get into the meat and potatoes of bout number three between The Buffalo Bills and New England Patriots, foes in the AFC East. I have to do something that I don't like doing, but I feel like is only fair, holding yourself accountable. So I want to admit where I was wrong. After week 13, I proclaimed that the Patriots were back king of the East. They had taken back their throne, that the Bills were dead or very close to being dead, and that Big Brother had returned home. And he didn't expect to so soon, but here he is taking back his robe. And the Buffalo Bills responded in that Week 16 match by showing up, saying that we're not just going to take your bleep. We're not just going to roll over. We're going to show you that we can match your physicality. We can match your intensity. We still have the more talented team on paper, and we're not too proud to go out there and give the effort that's needed. Because that's what the Bills did in Week 16. So they responded to that embarrassment, that emasculation, and you have to appreciate what they did there. Now, they they, they prove that they're not intimidated. But one thing that I'm not taking back is my statement at that point in time that Bill Belichick is in Sean McDermott's head. And I still think he is. Because, listen, I I know Sean McDermott and that, that coaching staff had a good game plan in Week 16. I think that that game was still more about Josh Allen, the electrifying player that he can be at times. And I don't think it was as much about Sean McDermott because I still think Bill Belichick owns real estate and that guy's ratherly large, bald head. And that game, to me, was not about being outcoached. It was a really good player outdueling a really good coach. So, listen, as I look back on this matchup now in week 13, I say, yeah, the Patriots didn't put the Buffalo Bills to sleep. But I think they riled them up for that week 16 game. Now that I've taken my lick on the chin, deservingly so, let's get to round number three, Buffalo Bills, New England Patriots. And I'll start by saying this, that right now it's hard to feel good about anything the Patriots are doing, right? I mean, they're not coming in here with a lot of rhythm, with a lot of momentum, and it's hard to feel really good about this team in any situation. But they are six and two on the road here. If they're going to play into any type of mentality, any type of narrative, it's the underdog one, and I hope that that's something they can feed off of, because as tough as the Buffalo Bills can be, it's not necessarily a bad matchup for the Patriots, but if the Patriots are going to win this game, if they're going to stand a chance in this game, they have to play to their capability, and their margin for error is runway model slim, right? It's will versus skill. If the Patriots are going to have a chance in this one, they have to start fast. In the three games that they lost after the bye, they were outscored in the first half 37 to nothing. And they can't get back into games and win those games. They can get back into games, but they don't win those games, is what I should say. So you have to play with the lead. You have to get some turnovers, win that turnover battle. That's been crucial for this team this year. They're one in six when they lose the turnover battle. A couple of numbers for you. The Patriots are plus 19 in their 10 wins this season. They are minus 12 in the turnover department in their seven losses. So they have to be disciplined. They have to stay within themselves and play a clean game. On the offensive side of the ball, I can't say it enough. Mac Jones, at this point in his career, is a piece. He's not the centerpiece. You can't put it all on Mac Jones. If this game becomes Mac versus Josh Allen, you lose that game 10 out of 10 times because your quarterback isn't ready to carry the team yet. Not an indictment on him. I don't know many rookie quarterbacks that are capable and ready to do that. And Mac is not one of them. So let's get that out of the way. I've said it before. I'll probably end up saying it again. But this game for the offense, it needs to be balanced. It needs to be run the football, set up your pass game with your play action. A couple of numbers here for you. Some more numbers for you. And the wins that the Patriots had during that seven-game span, they ran the ball on average 34.9 times a game for 155 yards. They scored 32 points in that span. And that is, for their offense, the key to anything that Mac is going to do. And then when you get down to the red zone, you have to score points. The red zone was a real big problem in some of these games for this team. Get down there, score. Because you have to score against Buffalo. This iteration of the Patriots, if they're going to win, they have to execute in all three phases. It's not a secret. They don't have one overly talented, overly aggressive, overly dominant unit. They don't. But if they are going to have one, it's going to be on the defense. I outlined it in last week's episode that I said my most disappointment with this team during this span of losses was on the defense not having enough of those gotta have it type of stops. Another chance last week in Miami, another failure last week in Miami. This defense was ran through like Swiss cheese in week 16. They gave up 429 yards, 314 passing yards, 115 rush yards, 33 points. It very easily could have been 40. They they gave up six of 12 on third downs. They gave up Three of four on fourth downs. This game right here, this is where the defense needs to earn their money. This is where Matthew Judon, who's had zero sacks in the past few weeks, but had 13, or excuse me, 12 and a half in the first 13 games of the season, has to have it. You can't have those missed gotta-have-it stops. Devin McCourty last week dropping the interception that then turns into uh, a roughing, The kicker call on Brandon Bolden, new set of downs. Miami continues on. You can't have a stretch of plays like that this week and win against Buffalo or win in the playoffs, period. All right. I don't like giving out predictions. It's not really my thing. I mean, I'm not a genie. I'm an analyst. I'm a talk show host. I'm not a genie. I don't rub a bottle. I don't know exactly what's going to happen. We've seen two different games. From these two teams. So, who knows what we get on Sunday? If we're looking at what's gone on recently, you have to say that the upper hand's to Buffalo and they should probably win this game. But anything can happen in the playoffs. I'm not counting out this Patriots team. I'm not counting out what they've done during the regular season to get to this point, even though they've stumbled here at the end. So, with that said, I will give you some sort of prediction. I like the Patriots with the points plus four, they've proven they can win in Buffalo. And I think Buffalo does have pressure on them that we didn't get to talk to on this week, but I think that they do have high expectations for that team, and I wonder how that will play out with the emotions for Buffalo in front of their home fans if things don't start out well from the get-go. But if I'm taking them straight up, I like the Bills in this one. So I know we left a lot of meat on the bone as far as this matchup and the different sides and aspects of it, the different angles of it, but I try to keep this short and sweet Tuka Rask, I just see, signed a one-year deal with the Boston Celtics, so he'll be back. The Celtics, they should still trade Jalen Brown, so I'm sticking with that. And the Red Sox and Major League Baseball is still in a lockout. And there you have it, episode five of Boston's Big Four in the books. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode, as always. If you did, and you want to hear more, please subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Basically, wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes every single Tuesday. Be sure to follow the social media. We have an Instagram, a Facebook, and an email. Thank you for loaning me your ears and your attention. I know it's valuable. Until next week, Boston, be well, be healthy, be real.